All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsink. Today we're going to talk NBA Finals, talk French Open, talk Stanley Cup, as well Knights Panthers, which we haven't covered too much. But where I want to start, Drew, with the NBA Finals is uh, I was reminded of the 2013 Australian football grand final between the Fremantle Dockers and the Hawthorne Hawks. Yeah, obviously, which was it was a very very drab game for three quarters uh it was terrible to watch and then all of a sudden there was a scoring flurry and uh the afl commentator the legend dennis cometti he said memorably we were at the football on a saturday afternoon and then all of a sudden a grand final broke out and uh that's what i was reminded of last night when duncan robinson went on his little binge at the start of the fourth quarter where it felt like you know we were watching a basketball game and then all of a sudden the nba finals broke out where now we have a series. It's 1-1. One, one. Uh, the Nuggets would have been, what, minus 1,200 to win the series had they won last night. All of a sudden, uh, it's a lot tighter. Nuggets minus 275, Heat plus 220. Uh, what did you make of the game last night and what ways are there to bet the series now? Yeah, um, you know, the Heat proverbially stole home court advantage last night. I don't know if uh, you heard that one before, Jay, but uh, <laughs> they now uh, they now have stolen it. Um, it... Uh, it was a weird game. I agree kind of with your general sentiment that the first half was pretty uninspiring. Uh, and this is coming off of a full game one that was uninspiring, if we're being completely honest. Uh, and so six, seven quarters in a row of like, wow, this is it, really? Okay. Uh, it was a disappointment of, of just an entertainment factor. Uh, and you're right. The fourth quarter was in t- was extremely entertaining. I thought the Heat, you know, have now shown two straight games that they can, you know, find a closing gear that is, uh, you know, is dangerous, particularly on offense against the Nuggets defense that we have some serious questions about. Uh, and and in general, I thought the Nuggets offense started to get a little bit uh, stagnant. There was an awful lot of, oh, my God, Nik- Nikola Jokic is the best basketball player on earth. Just let him do his thing and we'll all just stand around and watch as opposed to guys making moves and uh, and just in general kind of giving him the opportunity to create. Uh, and it was a strange feeling because I just haven't seen the Nuggets look that clunky or that uninspired in a long time. Uh, and as soon as they got punched in the mouth in the fourth, it felt like they were they were not up to the call to uh, to find an answer. Um, and yeah, I don't ultimately think that they're in trouble of losing this series. And I'm glad we're going to have some entertainment here. Um, but I'm annoyed because uh, I thought they were the better team. I think they're still pretty clearly the better team. And I thought uh, sweep was live. And now, uh, yeah, now we might have uh, a six, maybe even a seven-game series on our hands. So um, if we do go the distance and we could play some unders, that'll be nice. Uh, I thought your 219 total points scored was a little flattering last night considering the pace of the game and some of the shooting efficiency. Um, very much just scratching my head about what in the world is going on with Michael Porter Jr.'s contributions on offense because he doesn't necessarily have a, a defensive matchup that scares me, but it certainly feels like he's not willing to or unable to kind of find uh, his spot on the floor to take the three-point shot. So it's it's really strange that uh, the Nuggets uh, have found themselves in this position, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll paint a, a brighter line on it and say that uh, that we have more basketball because of it, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I think a couple of things. Firstly, uh, a lot of discourse after the game about how the Heat turned Nikola Jokic into a scorer uh, and that helped them uh, win the game last night. Like the Nuggets, their cleaning the glass offensive rating last night was 126, 
which would be by far the greatest offense of all time, extrapolated over a full season. Like making Nikola Jokic a scorer isn't a thing. Like it's saying you've got to make Steph Curry take layups, which he shoots seventy percent on. Like, it just <laughs> like yeah, uh, he's the most efficient volume scorer in the league, as well as being the best passer in the league. I don't think there's any answer to stopping Jokic or st- stopping the Nuggets' offense outside of hoping that they miss shots. The Heat won last night because. Their offense was incredible and was better than Denver's, uh, where they just they shot the lights out from three uh, and they just played really well on offense. And I think they showed last night that you know they can win this series if they shoot well. And I was a bit surprised, honestly, that the fact that you know they shoot forty nine percent from three, but the Nuggets shot thirty nine percent from three. So there was a gap, but uh, it wasn't an outrageous disparity like some of the games. Uh, in the Boston series for Miami. And I thought that the the Heat would have needed a bigger disparity to be able to win games in Denver. Um, but they played really well. The Nuggets had moments where they were just a little bit disjointed. They just kept committing stupid fouls. KCP with the three-shot fouls. Ooh, yeah. uh, Lowry and Struess. The Nuggets were weirdly a little bit discombobulated by one, Kevin Love, and not really knowing how to go at him early on. And then late, the, when the Heat went to zone with Jokic in the game in the fourth quarter, Nuggets took a few possessions too many to really figure out what to do with that. So, look, I think a lot of this is the Nuggets will look at the tape of the zone. They'll figure out how to go at Kevin Love a bit more, and they should be okay. But, I mean, now, now the Heat, they only need three games, and they've got home court. So... I think we're at the point now where the Heat, if they shoot well, like if the Heat, if they shoot 42% from three the rest of the series, which is incredibly possible, uh, then I think that they're pretty live to win it. The Nuggets, I think the series price is fair. I don't think there's really a way to bet that. I think probably the best way to bet the series now is actually to bet on BAM to win finals MVP because the market is saying that's like 65-35 in favor of Jimmy. I think that's closer to 50-50 or BAM potentially even being favored now. He's got a pretty decent lead uh, in that market on the first two games. And Jimmy, I think this is now like seven subpar games in a row for Jimmy Butler where I think his ankle just, I think it's just a problem. Uh, and I don't think he's going to recreate that game four and five buck series magic. So I think the BAM might even have the slight edge there. But I mean, what do you think about finals MVP and, and any other ways to bet the series? Yeah, I mean, if I had any kind of more serious conviction that the Heat were alive for the series, I would take that approach because uh, I agree with you. Um, if the Heat, uh, you know, if, if if you live in the world where the Heat pulled this off, uh, it's Bam is currently at least the more important player for the uh, for with what they are trying to do right now. I don't buy it still. I think the Nuggets come out of this one, and I'm selfishly hoping the Heat win Game Three, and that this series price gets a little shorter and get some Nikola Jokic in the kind of evens range for finals MVP because I would like to take a big old swing at uh, Nuggets coming back from down 1-2 uh, to winning 4-2, 4-3. But yeah, it's it's tough for me to really see a way that that this goes sideways and maybe it's, uh, you know, I have some sort of just, you know, I, I don't want to say bias against because I don't, I, I obviously believe that they, you know, what the Heat are doing is impressive. They're, you know, they're obviously playing tougher. <laughs> so whatever that means, so whatever that's worth to, to the point spread, I don't know. Um, but uh, it's certainly the case that the Nuggets should have won game one by 20. They should have put them away pretty comfortably at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They didn't. Uh, they took an eight point lead into the game last night. 
And for whatever reason, their fourth quarter strategy was completely ineffective. And that's somewhat concerning because, you know, in the same way that you had a pretty clear mismatch coached in the last series, you got a mismatch in this series. Uh, Mike Malone maybe ultimately has the answers, but uh, Spolstra is pretty clearly doing sort of his maestro thing in a way that uh, I have, can't remember ever seeing a coach mattering more to a team in the playoffs. And uh, I'm sure a lot of it's behind the scenes and maybe we're making too much of it even. Um, but uh, that, you know, that advantage may ultimately be enough to keep the heat in this. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not running to the window to back Nuggets minus two and a half of game three. I got to let that one marinate a little bit, uh, see if there's a better angle on the total, which I look, think it looks a little low at 215. Kind of surprised, actually, after what we saw yesterday. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I think realistically this is uh, uh, still wait and see before getting heavily involved one way or the other on the series outcome or a finals MVP play. But, uh, you know, that if you believe in the Heat and you believe in Spo, band five to one, let's go. Yeah, he's five to one at MGM. I think if you shop around, there's some plus six fifty about, uh, which is a bit more appetizing. So at that price, I, I think it's a reasonable bet. And and yeah, I think that the Heat. I mean, you have to admire the Heat, really. I mean, we've been uh, against them certainly the past two series, certainly in the Buck series, but uh, they just get the most. They get every last drop out of their talent. Uh, and last night was was incredibly impressive. So I still think Denver should handle business in the series. And, I mean, it feels now like Nuggets 4-2 um, is where this is headed, but certainly can't count out the heat. And Tyler Hero back, uh, which is seems like it's going to happen for Game 3, is an interesting wrinkle. I'm not sure it matters that much one way or another, but uh, this series all of a sudden has gotten pretty interesting. And we'll continue to talk about it. But before we get to the French Open, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, French Open. Fair bit has happened. Most of the big names are still up and about this morning. Uh, our girl, Ange Jabeur, didn't. Hart didn't lose a single return game. Uh, Perra didn't hold serve once. Uh, it's a bit of a problem that Holm herself was broken four times and made like 40% of her first serves. That's not going to hold up against Iga Sviantek, should that be the matchup in the semi. Uh, but Ons is now all of a sudden very live, as is Sabalenko, who had to navigate a little bit of trouble against Sloane Stevens. Uh, what do you make of the women's side of the draw at the moment? Yeah, a lot of kind of losing confidence in someone being able to find a level that's good enough to beat Iga Sviantek. I think realistically the market has, is onto this. So there's not a, you know, an obvious advantage play to be made on Iga. The, her path has gotten a lot softer with uh, a number of kind of the most live contenders getting eliminated early. And now on Subor, potentially her semifinal opponent and uh, Sabalenka in the finals, do either of those women have better than a 30% chance to be Iga? No, probably not. Uh, and so I think you're getting a, a fair price or you're looking at a fair price, even at minus 175 for her to lift the uh, the trophy at the end of the day here. So it's tough to get super excited about any you know price, even the, the equity captured on a Sabalenka future, the equity captured on Jabor, uh, riding out Jabor Q2, uh, which would be much needed. <laughs> the match by match betting has not gone super great for me. Uh, in this tournament to this point, uh, I got a uh, I got a plus one fifty home this morning, which felt pretty good. And the uh, the, the three sets between uh, SST and BHM, um, <laughs> but uh, it's a still it's 
it's uh, I would like to get some winners down the home stretch here uh, and uh, and try to salvage some of these future prices. But I honestly don't think Sabes or or Ons really has the stuff yet uh, to beat Iga. But on any given day, we've seen her lose this season. So um, you know, I think it's it's still you know still far from over. Yeah, her tournament to lose, uh, it looks like. I mean, yeah, if she gets to her level, then no one's going to touch her. So you just have to hope that you catch her on an off day and then either Ons or Sabalenka uh, can give her a test. Uh, the men's outright, a bit more uncertainty with things like Alcaraz and Djokovic uh, still on a collision course. So Alcaraz in particular is going to have to navigate pretty difficult matchup against uh, a very informed Stefanos Tsitsipas, uh, who's 14 to 1 to win it all. Holger Rune uh, is making a little bit of a mess of this second set against uh, Sarunjalo as we speak. He's down 5-3 in the second after eking out the first. Uh, what do you think the bet is in the outright? Man, I, this price is still backwards at the top of the board here. I can't tell you how the math works out in any way, shape, or form possible that plus 125 is a fair price for Alcaraz to win considering he's like three, what is he, minus 300, minus 350 against Sissipas next round, and then he's going to be Pickamish against Djokovic or a you know, small favorite. He's not going to be more than minus 150 against Djokovic in a head-to-head in the semifinals. And then, you know, against Rune or Rude or Zverev, uh, in a final, he'll be you know minus four hundred or so. The math just does not come close to getting you to plus one twenty five there. So if you if you watch Alcaraz completely take apart Lorenzo Musetti, which was one of the more like up kind of uh oh kind of just eye opening, uh, not even competitive, uh, just cl- clean him off the court type of performances from Alcaraz. Uh, I think you're better off betting him match by match for the next three rounds because his path is quite tough. He still has to defeat Sissipas. Sissipas, we have barely mentioned this entire fortnight so far. He was playing error-free tennis, which is very, very challenging when you are as aggressive as a player as he is, uh, for two-thirds of his match uh, in the uh, um, last round against Sebastian Offner. And it he went the entire second set without, without uh, um, an unforced error. Uh, like 10 winners, zero enforced errors. That type of ratio just doesn't happen very often. And if you're playing that well, uh, you ha- you're you alive against Alcaraz, even though he is the best player on the earth at this minute. Um, and so it's going to be a war. I think that you know, you're looking at four or five sets there pretty comfortably. I know I am sore still. I have a, a bruise right in the gut from uh, you know playing it over aggressively against uh, Alcaraz with Musetti. And he's now going right back to, you know, going right back to the well with uh, Sissipas, hoping that we can get over 35 and a half games over. Uh, I got some sprinkled some over four and a half sets as well. So thinking this can go the distance, but um, yeah, Sissipas' form has been incredible uh, and uh, he's going to be a very tough test. And presumably after playing a very long and hard fought match to get to a semifinals where Djokovic, I think comes through a lot more cleanly. I think that gives the edge to Djokovic in that particular head to head. And we're going to probably break that down in detail as we get later into the, uh, you know, to the week here, assuming that that is our matchup. But um, yeah, I think that gives you still some runway here to bet uh, Djokovic to win the title and capture some EV there. Yeah. I mean, these prices aren't particularly inspiring. I mean, to your point, the Alcaraz, the outright price is just complete poison. I mean, he's going to be around that price just to get to the final. I would have thought. And then he's going to yeah. beat someone in the final to win the tournament uh, is how it generally works. So I can't involved with Alcaraz at all. So I think it's Djokovic or pass um, in the outright. 
it just there's no one in the bottom half of the draw who's particularly inspiring at the price. I mean, we'll see what happens to Rune. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, Zverev 12 to 1, I uh, couldn't touch that. So, Oof. yeah, I think it's uh, very much just uh, wait and see uh, if a price gets floated up. With some of these results, uh, let's go to Wake and Cash now for Tuesday. Uh, what's your best bet on the board? Yeah, so I kind of teased it a little bit in talking about the outrights, but uh, I have Djokovic coming through cleanly against uh, Karin Hatchinoff. Uh, Hatchinoff, perfectly fine clay player, perfectly fine tour grinder. Uh, you know, guy's going to win you your random, you know, your random 250 or 500 here or there. He beat Djokovic head to head in the uh, Paris Masters back in what, 2018 or 17 or something. Uh, so he's, you know, he's got a, he's got one scalp. Uh, that was out of 11 head to heads, by the way, where Djokovic has beaten him in the other 10. Uh, and realistically, uh, the form that you're seeing Djokovic find, uh, particularly kind of inspired by a very, very competitive head to head against Alejandro Davidovic Fokina, uh, I think is going to be enough to get him through in straight sets here. So Djokovic coming through 3 0, and how that trickles into some of the derivatives would uh, first and foremost point me in the direction of the under. Uh, looking at right now, it's down to 32.5. I played some 33. I think 32.5 is also bettable. Um, and I think this is a 6 4 6 363 type of match where Djokovic comes through unscathed and gets to have a little extended rest as Alcaraz and Sissipas play in the night session and will probably be playing late into the Paris evening if I had to uh, make a prediction there. So Djokovic with a, a little bit of a, a, an incentive to get it done cleanly uh, and give himself some time to prepare for the uh, very, you know, what, what is going to be a war in the semifinals. Yep, looking forward to that. All right, I like that play. I'm going with Grigor Dimitrov, plus three and a half games on the handicap against Alexander Zverev. Zverev easily could have gone the distance against Tiafo had to pull out that four-set tiebreak. Still not convinced that Zverev is all the way back. Meanwhile, Dimitrov is just on fire. He hasn't lost a set yeah. so far, just completely disposed of Altmaier, who was coming off a win over Yannick Sinner. Uh Dimitrov, his form leading up on clay is excellent as well. And took a set off Djokovic uh, in Rome, uh, beat Taylor Fritz. He's gotten some good scalps. So I think that Dimitrov uh, is, I think he should be an underdog in, in the match, but at the same time, I think it should be closer to pick. Uh, and I think that Dimitrov, I played some Dimitrov uh, at 15 to 1 to reach the final. Uh, he's probably drawing dead once he gets to the final, but I think that the bottom half of the draw is so wide open that, that he can do some damage and he's playing as well as anyone in that bottom half. Uh, what do you make of Dimitrov Zverev? Yeah, I think it's a compelling matchup because whereas most of the men's tour right now is players who we don't have a ton of history on, uh, you do have four matches to pick through between Zverev and Dimitrov. And uh, if you kind of look at their progressions and particularly their performances on clay over the years, D Dimitrov has completely closed the gap on Zverev. And a lot of that has to do with Zverev's injury and absence from tour. Um, but, uh, you know, these players... A year ago, I would have said, "Don't even, don't even think about it. Let it go." Dimitrov is going to get run off the court. Uh, two years ago, I would have felt that way. Three years ago, I would have felt that way. But right now, uh, the way he's playing is very, very impressive. I completely agree with you, and I think he's going to make a match of this. And I think he could very well come through. I don't have a ton of faith that Zverev is going to win this uh, fourth quarter at all. Uh, I think if I'm, I, I, uh, I'm with you that Dimitrov covers the games but i'm hoping that zverev gets through and that he's like a pretty un like an unbelievably uh uh rich price against uh Echeverry, uh in the quarterfinals of four because uh the argentine uh tme uh is uh he is 
his, I'm not sure if you've seen some of his forehands that he's hit in this particular tournament, but he's got fireworks in there. Uh, and if he shows up with that stuff and he's like a four dollar dog or whatever, I'm going to be pretty excited to to back him in the quarterfinals against Zverev. Yep. TMA, SST, BHM, <laughs> lot going on. Uh, yeah, the main drive as well, the plus three and a half is minus 105 as well. So, uh, yeah, that is my play. All right, before we get to the Stanley Cup finals, uh, a reminder that uh, MLB leadoff, uh, the Diamondbacks are making a journey from the Arizona desert to the Motor City for a battle with the Detroit Tigers at Comerica Park. A couple of teams contending for their respective divisions. Incredibly, both teams Hope to move up in their divisions, but only one will rise up Sunday morning. Find out who by streaming MLB leadoff at 11 a.m. Eastern exclusively on Peacock. The Diamondbacks, still plus 950, by the way, to win the NL West, which I think is a bet mm-hmm. given they are tied for the division lead. Uh, and with those kind of underdogs, you want you want upside that a lot of that comes from youth where they've got guys like Corbin Carroll, who's the favorite to win rookie of the year. Uh, and with Madison Bumgarner out of town now, I think they've got a bit more upside in the rotation as well. But anyway, enough baseball. Let's talk puck ball. <laughs> Stanley Cup game two, uh, a heartbreaker in game one for us Panthers backers like myself. Uh, really felt like they were going to pull that out after Duclair off the faceoff tied it up with, uh, I think, 12 seconds left in the second period. But a Knights onslaught in the third period, and they go up one nothing. Now they are minus one forty favorites tonight against the Panthers to go up two zero uh, and make an uphill skate for uh, for my beloved Cats. Uh, what do you think of the series? What do you think of the game tonight? Uh, cautiously optimistic, the Panthers can win this one. I think the f- scoreline was flattering to the Knights in game one, um, based on that game kind of getting away from the Panthers after they conceded that third goal. Um, otherwise, I thought the Panthers played them very, very closely, and there was maybe a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of rust on on uh, Bob in goal. Um, you know, he couple couple of uh, mistakes that we haven't really seen him make in this playoff run at least and so uh, hopefully it's not a streaky thing where now that that's kind of in the back of his head you see more of that because they're going to need him to be the guy we saw against the uh, Hurricanes if they're going to win this series because the Knights are very very good um, ultimately I didn't play game two here but I think there's a little bit of an edge on Panthers at uh, plus money uh, as I, again I think this is pretty close to as coin flip a, a, a game and a series as you can come by considering the way that uh, hockey playoffs tend to go what's your read yeah uh at the current prices i'd be leaning panthers tonight i think the series price is about right the one thing out of game one that i'll say is that aiden hill who has been excellent in goal for the knights i thought he looked pretty shaky and he only gave up the two goals but he got saved by the post three times and he looked uh he looked pretty vulnerable so i think that the panthers they just get more shots on net their power play uh, both their power play and uh, penalty kill has been just insufferable all playoffs long. Uh, Boston were just walking the puck into the net on their power play against the Panthers. Now, Vegas's power play isn't quite as dominant uh, as the Bruins, but the Panthers need to figure something out uh, on the kill. And then also just, they just need to just take more shots on the power play. They're just overly patient in game one. So I think they'll figure out some stuff there. I think they'll put Hill in a bit of trouble. So hoping that they can pull this out tonight. And yeah, I agree. I think this is pretty close to a coin flip. Uh, in terms of ways to bet the series, I think the Con Smythe market is pretty interesting. Uh, on the Panthers' side, after last game, Sergei Bobrovsky uh, has created a bit of separation with Matthew Kachuk. I think that is about right. But on the Vegas side, I don't think the market really knows 
what to do just because there are so many skaters that are so tightly bunched. And then there's Aiden Hill, who's uh, got great surface level numbers, also floating around. Uh, I think that the market is not bullish enough on how much separation Eichel and Marshall have from the rest of their peers. I wouldn't touch William Carlson at plus 650. Mark Stone at 15 to 1, I think he is live. I think he's actually more likely to win than Carlson and possibly even more likely to win than Hill, uh, who I just don't think is going to get the credit given he didn't start off the playoffs. The Knights have an incredible defensive system around Hill that is helping him out a ton. I just think it's Eichel and Marcheseau and then a big gap to everyone else. And I think that Eichel is probably about 50% of the Knights' equity, which would make plus 325 a bet. And then I think Marcheseau at plus 425, I think that's also a bet. So I think if you like the Knights to win the series, you're better off just betting Eichel and Marcheseau. Eichel has a two-point lead uh, on everyone else on the Knights. Uh, And also he's just... He's their best player. He's the engine. He's the guy who makes everything go. He's also just so integral to Vegas's power play and the Panthers' penalty kills not being great. So I think that, you know, he is going to continue to rack up points. And then with Marshall, he's just got the the storyline of, you know, being a former Panther. He's on an absolute tear scoring-wise. He had the hatchery against Edmonton. He keeps popping up with these crucial goals, scored the first goal in game one to tie it up. So I think those two uh, are the guys to, to hone in on. Hopefully neither of them win. Hopefully it's for Brophy or Chuck. And uh, the Panthers get it done. And I will be in Sunrise for game three, cheering my Panthers home. But yeah, that's where I'm at on this series. Uh, any closing thoughts before we uh, before we end this? Yeah, I think uh, I've kind of talked myself into Panthers over two and a half goals tonight uh, as sort of the fun way to attack. Because uh, I again, like, I'm hesitant to try to capture the price on Panthers money line just because I'm a little nervous that Bob's going to continue to wobble. Um, but that opens up for kind of a more more offensive game generally, and the. King, the Knights, uh, excuse me, the Knights seem to want to play uh, to more of an uh, uh, of a high scoring affair than any of the opponents we've seen the Panthers play so far this playoff. So, um, yeah, I think uh, Panthers answering with some offense of their own over two and a half goals in the minus one twenty range looks bettable to me. Yeah, and Bob, I mean, yeah, you gave up the four goals before the empty netter. At the same time, I mean, the third goal to give Vegas the lead. That was a ridiculous sequence where Bob made an incredible save in the lead up and then he let one in that he shouldn't have. And then the fourth goal from Mark Stone is one of the most insane players I've ever seen where Stone reaches up almost a penalty, deflects it down and then scores off of that. I'm not sure there's much that Bob could have done there. So yeah, still got, still got some faith in Officer Bob to, uh, to pull this out. But yeah, we certainly like a shutout tonight, uh, Sergey. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks, everyone, watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe to us if you listen to us in podcast form. No pod tomorrow. Uh, be back on Wednesday. I'll be out as I'm doing a uh, Chicago White Sox bet cast in Chicago. The White Sox turning their season around uh vaughn dalzell will be in for me with you drew uh so be sure to check that out everyone uh and we'll see you then cheers